Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and continued Merry Christmas and blessings be upon you as you continue to celebrate the joys of Christ entering into our time, our space, our flesh, to take on sin, death, and hell, and rescuing us for life everlasting, salvation, and the resurrection. I do hope that your continued celebrations are blessed with family, friends, and the sure and certain hope of all that Christ delivers. Well, today we are going to prepare and look forward to the next Sunday's readings, and it really is just one verse. It comes to us from St. Luke, the second chapter, and today is the feast of the naming and circumcision of Jesus, and this is huge. It is so huge that it takes up a whole verse in St. Luke. So here is the gospel lesson for this coming Sunday. Again, St. Luke chapter 2, verse 21, and only verse 21. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Thus says the Lord. Praise be to God. This little verse carries huge implications. We have the naming of Jesus. We have the circumcision of Jesus. We have all this happening. And some things that I would like to get out of the way to begin with, or or to set the stage, not get out of the way. That's a poor choice of a phrase. We have Jesus coming to us. Now, we are the ones in need. We need someone to fulfill the law. We need someone to do what we are unable to do. We'll hear in Jesus' earthly ministry that we need to go, therefore, and be perfect like our Father in heaven is perfect. That that is what is needed to satisfy the law perfection. Now, I'm sure you're like me on this, and you're not perfect. So, how can we stand before God and then say, look at me, look at what I've done, and see how great things are in the fulfillment of all that you have given to me? Well, we can't. We can't say that we fulfilled the law. We can't say that we've obeyed God's will. We haven't fulfilled his statutes and commands. We have truly fallen short of the glory of God. Now, this is an obvious statement. So, what are we to do? We are to look to someone else. 
And of course, this is the Father's Christ. This is Jesus, the promised Messiah, Redeemer, the one who is to come. This is what the Old Testament prophets preached, prophesied, and gave. It was the longing, looking, and anticipation for the first advent of Jesus. And then we have this. Jesus is born. This is what we celebrated on the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate him breaking into our time, our space, our flesh. We celebrate this wondrous mystery of the incarnation, the Word made flesh. This is just huge. So we have celebrated this, and we get to do this for 12 days, the full 12 days of Christmas. Christmas is not over until Epiphany, January 6th, so we're still celebrating. We're still in awe. We're still in this great, wondrous, and exciting time of God coming to us, dwelling with us. Emmanuel is here. And because Jesus is born into our flesh, he has to satisfy all the things the flesh is supposed to do. Look at Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were to subdue all of creation. Adam and Eve were to multiply. Adam and Eve were to be in perfect relationship with God. And as we know, everything was messed up at the temptation of Eve, the partaking of the forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the relationship was broken. And again, I, I love when God comes in the cool of the evening and asks the question, where are you? And this isn't a location question. This is the question of relation. The relationship is broken. Where are you? Where did you go? Why are you no longer trusting in my care, in my promise, in my word? And we, we hear Adam, I was afraid for I was naked. I feel shame. Uh, my eyes are open, and I now see the things that you were doing, the things that you were providing, and they're now on me, and I am crushed in the weight of what has been given to me, the knowledge of good and evil, and now the inability to fulfill complete trust and hold on to your divine providence, your divine mercy, gifts, and the blessings that you so freely gave. And we hear the cursings that now Adam and Eve will now eat from the sweat of their brow. They will have to work the ground, and the ground might work. The ground might provide, because now it's corrupted. Now it's fallen. Now it's messed up. And so to fix all of this, God promises the one who will be born of the seed of woman, Jesus. Okay, so now Jesus shows up. He is born. We hear the promise of the proclamation of him coming. The angels break open the night sky and tell the shepherds to go, and they will find the child wrapped in swaddling cloths. We will hear on Epiphany that the magi, the wise men, will find this newborn king, 
and will worship him, pointing and showing that he is the king of all creation. He is the Lord of all. But now, going back to our one-verse gospel lesson, we're on the eighth day, and this is the day of circumcision. This is the day of naming. And so we have the Blessed Virgin Mary and the guardian Joseph doing faithfully what Jewish parents are supposed to do of this time. They are to take their child to the temple to do all that is needed to name, circumcise, to fulfill the law. And so right here, we have Jesus being submissive. We have Jesus taking on the flesh to fulfill law perfectly, God's law perfectly. And so he allows himself to be circumcised. And yes, I say that he allows himself because we're talking about God Almighty, and he is truly participating in his creation as a creature, true man, true God. And so he's going to allow himself to bleed, to be cut, to be circumcised, to be marked as one of the Jews being holy, being separate from everybody else. And now this is really big because this isn't an initiation, right? This isn't an adoption. This isn't a God saying, I now choose you. This is Jesus saying, everyone of flesh. And yes, I really do mean everyone. I will bleed for you. I will fulfill the law for you. This circumcision of Jesus is your circumcision. And we'll hear this fleshed out a lot more, no pun intended, in St. Paul when he talks about the circumcision made without hands. The idea that in your baptism, in the work that God lays upon you to separate you from the multitude of unbelievers, to state and make you holy by his word, by his work. This is the circumcision that makes you different than everybody else that doesn't believe, that is not held on to in and through faith. This is what the circumcision of Jesus is about. Everybody, all of fallen, all of the fallen people, you, me, the people of the past, the people present, and the people of the future, are now condensed into one person, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus lives the perfect life, first of all, for Israel. He is all of Israel. God's chosen people. But as we will see very shortly, this is truly opened to all people. Even in the Old Testament, when God tells Moses and the prophets and anybody else who is listening to God's word to make sure that those who are sojourning, the strangers, the guests, anybody is also hearing and receiving these promises. So again, we have Jesus. He is all of us, or we are all in him. And so this immediate fulfillment of the circumcision, the command that on the eighth day, all boys will be circumcised. And again, this is for us. 
We are marked as His. We are marked as redeemed. We are marked as the royal priesthood, the chosen people of God. And we get to have this in the perfect obedience of Christ, even as an eight-day-old infant. He is already obedient to God's will, to God's promises. And so now we have this bleeding, this spilt blood. And we need to make sure we understand this, that sacrifice never comes without blood. Sacrifice never comes without hurt, without obviously sacrificing something. And so this is a foreshadowing of the fullness of the sacrifice of Jesus being the Lamb of God who comes to take away your sins. And so right here we see the life being established in Jesus, the perfect life of the fulfillment of all that the Old Testament promised. This is what is happening. And then on top of that, we have the naming. He is named Jesus, just as Joseph and Mary were told by the angel. This is the one, the fullness, the fulfillment, the promised Messiah, the promised gift, the promised Redeemer, the Lord's Christ is here and delivered, and he is named in the temple. And again, what's so amazing about this is Jesus being the true temple of God is in the temple where all the sacrifices happened, all the sacrifices of Passover, all the lambs that were brought, all the sin offerings, all the thank offerings, all the offerings that were ever sacrificed are brought to this temple. And Jesus goes to that very temple to be not only the sacrifice, but the very temple that we get to participate in, live in and through. We get to be connected to the sacrificial lamb who spills his blood upon us, making us white as snow, pure and holy. And all of this takes place so that we can have the certainty of the resurrection, the certainty of hope, the certainty of promise fulfilled. This is what carries us into Christmas. This is what carries us into Epiphany. And this is what will carry us to the resurrection and life everlasting. Even though the gospel is just this one verse, the implications are huge because we also have the promise of the eighth day. Now, I know that there's only seven days in a week, five days in a work week, however you want to count it. So how do we get this eighth day? This eighth day is forever. This eighth day is the fulfillment and the fullness of God's eternity being placed upon you in Christ our Lord. So his sacrifice taking place on the eighth day, his naming taking place on the eighth day, him going to the temple on the eighth day is the foreshadowing for us, the promise of the fullness, the fulfillment of the resurrection, of eternity, of the day of everlasting life that Jesus is already fulfilling 
in his circumcision, in his naming, in the fulfillment of the law. We are being given the eighth day, the forever day. The light of Christ shines upon us as the heavenly light of the resurrection, the heavenly light of forevermore. This is what is taking place. This is what is being bestowed upon you. We already get to live in the eighth day. Now, we, we get to do this in paradox. And what I mean by that is it is now and not yet. We have the fullness of the resurrection. We have the fullness of forever. But we are still here, bound to this time and this flesh, knowing that on the day of the resurrection, we will enter into life everlasting and perfected bodies, into perfected creation, and perfected relationship with one another and with God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And this is what is happening in this one single little verse. The huge implications. The birth has taken place. And already, God is at work in the Incarnation, the mystery of the Incarnation, the Word made flesh, is at work for your salvation, completing all that we have failed to do, marking you as redeemed, marking you as holy, marking you as alive in the sacrifice of what Christ delivers to you. This is why we rejoice. This is why we have hope. Even in the midst of the trials, the tribulations, the sufferings, the hurts, the pains of this life, and they are real, and we should never brush them aside. We should never look at other people's pains or our pains and say, oh, it's just here and now. These are the things that once again point to the corruption and fallenness of this world, which makes the longing for the resurrection, the longing of all that is coming in the true eighth day, all the more prevalent. This is why we prepare ourselves for the coming of our Lord. This is why we prepare ourselves for the last day, because it is the judgment of life everlasting. It is the judgment of life given in the sacrifice, in the fulfillment of what Christ does, even on the eighth day of his life. And every moment of his life is given for you so that you will know this true hope, this true peace, this true love of God found only in Christ our Lord. So once again, Merry Christmas. Once again, blessed Christmas tide be upon you in all that you do as you express Christ's love to your family, to your friends, to the ends of the world. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable. And of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.